Red Channel Condition with Michael. You are playing goldfish at a poker table. Jonathan. Maybe we'll decide to win. And Peter. Was this a donor penis? Welcome, listeners, to the season two finale of Red Channel Condition. Guys, we made it. We've done we've done 50 episodes of this shit. Holy mother of God. Well, there's so much shit for us to get to, but first, the fans demanded it, so we're going to provide it, guys. Without further ado is the final chapter of the Winnie the Pooh Acres End Saga. I had dreamed of this night for so long. My fur crackled with the electricity of anticipation. For at long last, I would meet the owl and pluck his mottled feathers once and for all. As I approached his hideout, the nice peaceful spot, I felt the blood rush to my fingertips and genitals. My trigger finger was veiny and engorged. I was ready to messily unload my clip into that dirty bird and rid the hundred-acre wood of vice. This place is so so big and gold. Indeed, Piglet, a perfect citadel of smut. What do you say we enter and redecorate? We skulked through the hulking golden labyrinth, sneaking past statues, creeping behind columns, and quickly dispatching any owl flunkies we saw. I was particularly impressed with Piglet here, beaming with usurned pride as he coldly snapped the necks of guards like small bundles of dry November twigs. Usually, he's not quite as hands-on, but desperate times, desperate measures, and all that stuff and fluff. We reached an ornate glass elevator, which curiously only had an up button. No way back down. This clearly must be the way to Owl's Roost. No turning back, Pooh. We rode up the shaft, gleaming with the reflections of city lights and vulgar gold, and arrived at the penthouse. The door opened slowly, and the stench of sweaty plumage and jism filled my snout. We had arrived, and so had the owl. Clean yourself up, or maybe don't. You can't do much without any fucking hands. The owl, having quenched his carnal thirst with the young chick, immediately drew his gun and blew her hands clean off her wrists. Use more throat and less hands next time, sweetheart. <laughs> ah. So the bear and his side piece arrived at last. I heard you cockroaches were looking for me, thinking you could stop my business. 
annoy me, you fat fucks. I mean, where do you even get off? Hurting a legitimate businessman's operations like that. All I wanted to do was unite the hundred acre wood and the city together. Too many animals from the wood wanted to leave, and too many people from the city didn't want anything to do with them. So I just gave everybody something they could agree on. My beautiful honey, straight from the wood, delivered to all these fucking junkies by your old pal. What was his name again? Christopher Robin or some shit. I think I saw him tiny tricks by the dumpster downstairs. <laughs> you mustn't talk about Christopher Robin that way. Bird, that's disrespectful. And I'd hate for you to have an accident. They are funny things. Accidents. You never have them till you're having them. We stared at each other, hands on our weapons, mood tense. This was the moment I could get drugs out of the city at last. Maybe bring Robin back to the wood to detox. I felt strangely insecure and alone. Or maybe that's what it is to be a bear behind the barrel of a gun, to be alone. But then, I remembered what Piglet always says. You're n never alone, Pooh. It's so much more friendly with two. It was over in a flash. Owl could outdraw me, but he couldn't beat me and Piglet at the same time. The owl was finished. Poked up like Swiss cheese on a picnic sandwich. With the job done, it was time to return to the Hundred Acre Wood. Pooh, where will we go next? Home, Piglet. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. We'll be friends forever, won't we, Pooh? Even longer. Incredible. Well, from one series ending to another, guys, we have to talk about the season finale of Picard. Yeah, so uh, we should probably tell uh, the folks listening that, uh, obviously, huge spoiler alerts. For those who don't want to be spoiled, you should jump ahead to about 28 minutes and 15 seconds, and you should be safe. I don't know of what to what to say about uh, season two of Star Trek Picard. I mean, it it started amazingly. And then, man, <laughs> some shit happened. Yeah, man. I can only imagine some of our our, our listeners going, "Yeah, that's pretty much how uh, how this podcast turned out." <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I like that. We live in glass houses, and we will throw stones. Oh, we're gonna throw some stones on today's oh, yeah. show. But yeah, like like you were saying, like season two started out so good. I thought, holy shit, these guys know how to make some Star Trek. They're going to do something phenomenal. And then it just, it really fell the fuck apart in every way possible. But would you guys like to regale our listeners with some of your favorite ways that this season of Picard fell apart? Oh my, you, you know, I, 
I can't even put it into words. Right? You know what? Maybe someone, uh, perhaps a little more uh, removed emotionally, <laughs> can help me out with this one. Okay. Yeah, John. What did you so, think? So I mean, again, like it started great, right? I love, I love the conceit of you know an an evil federation and you know how that kind of set itself up in the in this timeline, right? You know, so it was it it wasn't some it wasn't like some sort of alternate dimension. It was that dimension, which is ballsy, right? Right. And you know, bringing you know, you have the board queen and like all kinds of wild shit going on with that. Very exciting, right? And then we get we get sucked into twenty twenty four, right? Which okay, right? That that makes sense based on you know what they're trying to do with the plot, right? There's apparently something that happens in that year that makes uh all of that you know evil evil timeline happen right and then what they do to i guess set that up or whatever just like the the quest of driving around in 2024 and dealing with you know, earth societal problems in 2024 is just you know, a total fumble right it's you know typically star trek doesn't do shit that is like on the nose on the nose right like it's it tries to be more allegorical you know and it tries to do so in a in a sci-fi lens, right? It's not, you know, it talks about the it talks about you know the future look and looks back at you know the stuff that's going on, right? But this show did you know this show did not do that. It chose to look at what's going on right now while being there right now, right? So you have like fucking you know like ice you know, like Department of Homeland Security and like ice trucks you know kidnapping members of the crew and you know you have. Uh, <laughs> You know, like young <laughs> impetuous leftist Guinan or something like that, basically being like <laughs> people suck and like I I quit on Earth. You know, like why like Earth sucks, which is just <laughs> and, which is just an amazing conceit to me because like this character has been around for ten billion years apparently, right? But you know, it was this specific year that caused her to be like fuck all this, and then you know, like humanity <laughs> is over, like I quit, right? And then. Like, there was so much not science fiction going on, right? So, like, they, they have, like, a whole, like, Ocean's Eleven segment where they're in, like, a, a like a dance party or some <laughs> shit like that for, like, a solid two episodes. You know, and, and then they're getting, you know, investigated by, like, a crazy conspiracist, you uh cop who works for maybe Area 51, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> like, there's, there's just, there was just so many things that they tried to do and they just... They just failed to do it, right? They couldn't balance all those spinning plates. They just couldn't. The thing that was the worst to me, I guess, was the the mystery cop. You know, the mystery the mm. mystery cop was powerful. You know, interrogating uh, Picard. You know, in the basement. You know, and my favorite thing about that was that you know, so he believes that these guys are aliens. He saw them beam in and beam out and stuff like that. But he just walks out of the room and just leaves them to be you know in a room. You expecting them to be back. <laughs> you expecting them to be there when they came back. Ignore you. I I don't know what he believes. Like it, it just it was it was not good. It was not good. Yeah, I feel like there was so much stuff to pick apart in this season. Um, and like you mentioned, like the two episode arc of them being like the Ocean's Eleven at the NASA party. I I feel like for a ten episode season to waste two episodes on that was just really stupid and dumb and really went nowhere. And I feel like a lot of the a lot of the subplots in this season were really stupid and went nowhere. I mean, like the the holographic telepathic Guinan projection. Like, when <laughs> what the fuck was that? 
<laughs> like, why is Q dying? Never explained. The 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 Doctor Sung arc was, I thought, very poorly executed and and just very kind of lazy writing, and it there was just so much going on. Like, why why is the Romulan lady from the Gary Seven field of you know planetary you know what what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Why is she a Romulan? Why is she back in the past? Why does she look like Laris? <laughs> there was just so much going on that was really stupid. The fucking SWAT team Borg, really stupid, <laughs> really fucking stupid. Uh, it was just such a shit show, like such Picard's a shit show. dad, like. <laughs> right. The, the trite metaphor bullshit of him running around the basement looking for his mom was really stupid. They make no mention of his brother. <laughs> it was like this was not written by people who even tried to watch Star Trek at any point in their lives. What did you think about the very last part with with Q and and the, how they wrapped okay. that up? Did you now? I will. I will. You know me again. You know I'm not like a an Uber Trek guy or something like that. So I'm like watching this and I'm learning as I go. Right. So I did appreciate much of the last episode of the season because they found interesting and I guess fan service ways to kind of wrap up a number of these threads. Right. Like. You know, I think the idea of, you know, the, the, the Borg entering the Federation is a very spicy idea, right? You know, and, you know, I wonder if they'll explore that in uh, any other Star Trek besides just Picard season three. Like, well, that is that the status quo now? Right. That might be interesting if they explore that, right? You know, however, I will also say that it was hilarious to have just uh, Wesley Crusher show up and be like, I'm a time cop. Come with me. Like I thought, I thought that was I thought that was goddamn hilarious. What the fuck was that? So like you know, Star Trek giveth and Star Trek taketh away. Mike, I, yeah, I know you've been waiting to rip into this. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm not mad, okay? I'm disappointed. I, I wanted to to thank you guys because there's just too much shit in my head, and I it's all rushing to get out, and you guys are. <laughs> You know, you guys are like a lens, right? Just like focusing me, you know, you know, as I as I talk about this, you know, go, going back to how it all started, you know, we were all here going, wow, this is like Trek. No, did you see that cue snap? Did you hear it and feel it in your bones? Right. Um, that very first cue snap, you know, like the kind of mystery that would be around a, you know, a cue that quote unquote doesn't look well mm -hmm. right? like what's happening to it right what is going on that that is very interesting and then we get these almost like caricatures of of the department of homeland security like that guy who is you know beating up rios in, in case you didn't know ice were the bad guys let's really make it clear that ice is the bad guy here I wasn't able to put it into such an academic way uh, that, that John did where, you know, Trek usually does a lot of these things from a future perspective looking back as opposed to a now um, as it currently happens and how that doesn't feel very sci-fi. It doesn't really work. I'm going to try not to nitpick all the episodes. No, but, do it. Go ahead. But... <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the, the FBI guy was the biggest weird, the biggest, I mean, there were a lot of big things that didn't make sense, but can you even explain that to me? Because the guy's like part of the FBI, but then we find out that he's like not, and he like got fired or something, right. but he also had a SWAT team to catch them. Like it just, I don't understand it. 
So from what I got was that he was an FBI agent, um, maybe in charge of like some small mailroom department of maybe extraterrestrial investigations or whatever that the FBI does. So maybe like he and then, you know, he's just been bothering his bosses for like the past 30 years about how how he saw Vulcans as a kid. Right. And he's just trying to chase these things down and he's the laughing stock of the FBI. And then just this one mistake where he randomly brings in people to their secret location, interrogates them without due process, with, without without any rule of law. And they go, OK, pack your bags. Here's your box. Get out all in the span of a of a few hours of a day, yeah, you know, not even a day. <laughs> <laughs> but you know like no right writing right they they hand wave that all, all that stuff what bothered me really about that was the writers like seemed to put in there like his name was wells right mm -hmm. and you know we know i, I think from voyager uh wells there he's a time cop right the wells class right it was it's right. the time ship so when i saw that his name was agent wells in that at the end of that episode i was thinking oh wow like they're going to bring in time cops to you know address them traveling back in time and that's in fact kind of interesting but no but no <laughs> no so like that's another thing where like the writers keep putting these easter eggs in in the show and then do absolutely nothing with them you know like it's like they're too they're like they they're too smart for their own good in some ways in, in terms of their trek knowledge but also not enough to do something with it right it, i mean it almost felt like uh like a like a cat with a shiny toy it's like oh easter egg like that we could do something with but let's move on to something else right and then let's move on to something else and then let's move on to something else i mean like the whole Picard having a robot body, but like soon can run him over in a car and he goes into a coma. <laughs> but then we're like working on him like he's a human in the hospital. But we have to give the the 20th century doctor the 25th century technology. And somehow she magically knows how to use it. Like It was just it didn't fucking oh, make any sense. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Like, can you can you imagine going to a doctor from, I don't know, like the 16th century? And be like, here's an MRI machine. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> These are the little things, right? Like, yes, I guess they don't really make too much of a difference uh, in terms of the overall plot. And, you know, maybe we're just a bunch of basement nerds nitpicking things. But it, it's little things like that, that if you have to invent some such a, such a story device to move your story forward, that's a bad story. I have no problem with them employing, you know, obscure Easter eggs to move the plot along. I don't mind that. In fact, I almost encourage it. But if you're going to do that, you got to follow through. You got to yeah. write something that kind of builds on that, not just kind of references it and then moves on to the next reference that you're not that doesn't even fit into the story. You know what I mean? It, it felt like it was 10 episodes of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Mm -hmm. As an overall plot point, this is really a, a journey for Picard and how he can't commit to people because he has mommy issues and he can't open himself up. But we knew this for the past, well, I mean, all of Next Generation into the movies is that this is the way Picard is. We spent an entire movie, generations, essentially in 
Picard's um, happy place where we right. also know about this. You know, he's just that type of person. And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to find the root cause, the mental nexus where all of this happens and then, un- and then you unwrap it. But getting to that point isn't that interesting. It just turns out that Picard has mommy issues. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there could have been a well-told story using these elements. It just simply didn't happen. It just the writing just felt very haphazard and lazy. It's like the, the like the ingredients were good, but the cake turned out like shit. Well, yeah, because I mean, when you try and describe the mental journey that Picard goes on, you know, using the whole there are many doors in the human mind, and you just gotta open them in some kind of psychedelic you know mental dream i mean that's been done to death yeah yeah it felt very cliche yeah and i guess my criticism of the whole show in general it just feels like this this picard does not seem like in in terms of the character itself seems like light years away from the character of picard that we knew and more like patrick stewart is trying to interject his own personal experiences on jean-luc picard and i think that was a mistake Picard, Picard, uh, Picard, uh, Patrick Stewart, I think actually, wait, was it daddy issues or, or was it mommy? I think it was daddy issues. I think it was daddy issues. He did have some, he did have some issues, uh, in, yeah, in the family. Um, it it felt like this is a more, more of a Patrick Stewart journey than it was. Right. It was a Patrick Stewart journey and not a Picard journey. And I think that's really where they fucked up. That's where we have, um, a lot of my problems and then we have the, the the little things that just kind of ruin the entire experience the borg who are now you know seal team six <laughs> right Girardi eating car batteries and shit <laughs> yes Girardi being the new borg queen right see that i don't hate i didn't hate their dynamic honestly i didn't hate the 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 interpersonal dynamics of Girardi and the queen i actually kind of enjoyed the queen we're getting a little bit more of a different personal experience with the queen with someone who is not Locutus. And, and you know, the shit they did with her in the, in the Confederate timeline and the evolution of her character throughout the season, I actually thought was fairly well executed. Um, it's just there's so much other piles of dog shit that we step in that really prevents you from enjoying the experience. And all the shit with Dr. Sung. I mean, that's just also felt very sloppy. Like, I... I it was very unclear to me what his daughter was even supposed to be, what the experiment was, and I, it, it, they didn't really go into that or explain that. Um, I thought he did a terrible job acting I, uh, in terms of Sung's character. I thought it was very, very like one-dimensional and kind of cliche, and you know, almost, almost like you know, twirling your mustache, villainous, like stupid shit. Um, the whole Project Con thing, while an interesting idea, I thought, again, another Easter egg that they just kind of pull out of their ass at the last minute for two seconds to make you go, oh, my God, Con. Yeah, right. But, like, you really wasted a real opportunity to tell a good story of how that was being worked on, why that was being worked on, how that project relates to his daughter. There's just so many just things they just could have done and just simply didn't. See, I, I think with the... With the Sung uh, character, he was just trying to create life from like a test tube. But when do they ever? When do they say that? They don't actually ever say that. I, I think this is one of those things where they they try to show and not tell, but they didn't really show it either. Right. And, you just kind of have to guess. <laughs> you know, and I say I think right because I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I, I, but I think that's what the whole like Korra situation is. And he did just go from I am a scientist who loves my daughter to I am now a bad guy hell bent on killing Picard in right. like a day and, and a half. And I'll kill everyone and everything in my life. Right. A day and a half. Like he mentally <laughs> made that switch like over lunch. Oh, right. And the the last part with the 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 neurotoxin that he uses on um Laris or whatever the fuck her name was. Mm-hmm. Um that's I'm assuming that he doesn't know how to make neurotoxins that work on Romulans. So like that was also kind of stupid to me. It's like why would a neurotoxin that Sung made or that he could get readily in the 20th century be effective at all mm-hmm. on an alien? Like that made no fuck whatever. It just made no fucking sense. What is Q afflicted with? Why is he dying? Is the continuum affected? None of this is ever addressed. He's just, he's, he's just None dead. of it. None of the things that link A to B actually link A to B. Right, right. You know, our, our poo stories have more <laughs> continuity. <laughs> oh, and what a finish. I mean, we put some real effort yeah. into that. I mean, yeah. there, it came full, full circle. There were characters. There were... You know, there was a, there was a story to be told. There was it, there was some meat in that poo story. But also, I I don't know if you guys um heard uh, about Picard season three, but a lot of the characters aren't actually going to make it into season three. Yeah, most. I, well, Rios is gone. He's um, gone. Um, Gerardi is Gerardi's gone. gone. Elnor yeah. is gone. Elnor is gone. And these are characters we didn't even really explore that much. No, um, regarding the, the Elnor character, he dies in, like, episode, what, two? Three? Three. 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 Beginning yeah. of three. And yeah. he's just gone. And then they make it a big scene at the end where Rio stays behind, and he's like, I got a little more juice left. Let me bring back your, like, a surprise gift. They bring him back to life. Like, Q uses the last of his magical genie powers. <laughs> Brings him back to life, and then he's just gone next season. Like, he's just not even part of the cast. Right. Makes no sense. There's no payoff for any of it. And why establish Girardi as the queen if she's not coming back either? So, like, do the Borg play a role in season three? Or are they just going to be like, okay, um, there's a mysterious gateway fireball that we managed to prevent from blowing up the galaxy. We joined the Federation, you know, so that you would help us with this. And now we're gone. Like... (laughs) Right. And then, I mean, much like season one with the mysterious portal with the tentacles reaching out that we never learn anything about either. <laughs> it was just so stupid. And, and what's, I mean, what's sad is like, this is it. There's, there's no, we're going to film another thing in like five, ten years and maybe fix it. Or this is it. This is what we got. There's no yeah. more coming back to this. No, there's, like P- Patrick Stewart risked his life during COVID times to do this. To make this. <laughs> to make this. <laughs> it's it's bad i did like the closure the two had but it was 10 hours of filler to get here yeah it cost a lot it's like was was it was it worth the q redemption arc you know was was all that filler worth it to see that no 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 it wasn't because this killed star trek for me (laughs) i was looking forward to picard um very very much uh for season one Season one hurt. Season two was like saying goodbye to a loved one. Like I'm, I'm I think I like I'm done. I don't really care about the Picard story anymore. 
I don't care about the next generation uh, reunion or the. Uh, now I'm I'm on to the new uh, the new and better track, which is Strange New Worlds. It's my rebound track. Wow, which so far so good. good on that one. That shit has been outstanding. Yeah. This yeah. is this is it. This is this is the this is the track. You know, making me install my the latest uh, dating app, and I'm going back out into the field. You know, like, <laughs> like dipping my dipping my toes in the dating scene, trying to trying to move on with my life. Well, speaking of the dating scene, I mean, I feel like that's there's a natural transition here, right? You guys had linked an article this week about how dating isn't as straightforward as it appears. Yeah. Would you guys like to regale our listeners? Yeah. With what you learned. So, you know, this this was a this was an article from you uh Wired and you know the headline was people are dating all wrong according to data science, right? So you know, the the premise of this is that man, you know, like everybody you know, has been turning to you know apps and you know, science and algorithms to try to make that really important decision of you know, who is who is Mr. or Mrs. Right? You know, who is the person you know, who is the person that's gonna, you know, find that connection with you and you know, maybe you can you know, you know, have some dates and hot times or you know a life together or something like that right you know and people for the definitely the better part of the last decade or whatever this is kind of the way that dating has happened now right like people using tinder and you know, hinge and you know bumble and stuff like that right you know but you know based on you know there's there were some researchers you know in the university of rochester who just been studying uh you know online dating for the for that period of time you know the last 10 years and you know using their information on demographics physical appearance sexual taste interests and hobbies values mental and physical health and so on and so forth right they kind of took a deep dive into you know all the connections that people have made in these apps and they found that you know apparently you know it's di- it's even more difficult to to find that right person you know, via these apps than you know we'd been led to believe. You know, it turns out that uh, data science is proving that data it, uh, dating isn't a science. I don't know. From my experience using those apps, what I would say is I think it's really easy to find people you're attracted to, you know, but it's not necessarily easy to find people that you're actually going to connect with. Yeah, I think. That's what the article is basically saying is we as people who choose partners, we're really bad at choosing partners that we will like in the future versus what we want right now. They use the example of women go for men who are taller, who have jobs of power or maybe have money. This is CNN Breaking News. This is not new information. We've known this, right? right. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you know, but the, but these guys um, are getting, I guess, the first looks, right? They're getting the swipes. Mm-hmm. And tall, right? Hey, I mean, don't you? Yeah, you that better, actually yeah, connects. You're, you're yeah, asking better not disagree with that shit. Like you. <laughs> that nice callback, but yeah, like so. So they're getting the first looks, but it turns out what you need in a relationship for a longer term. For a longer period is more than just a guy who's tall right and and right. I mean, but but they're not like you know when you're swiping right or whatever you're not thinking about that because how can you and i think that's basically what this study is is, is saying you know, is that just because a guy is tall has money and is a lawyer or a doctor 
doesn't mean you guys are going to get along very well. Right. And I, I just feel like, I mean, it's almost, it makes a lot of sense if you actually just stop to think about it for two seconds. Because it's, it's like, okay, well, okay, if this guy's like tall and attractive and has a great job, well, then, you know, he's probably got his own set of standards or whatever. And, you know, he may be very demanding and, or, or, or she may be very demanding based on how attractive she is. And it's not all about looks and appearance and how much you want to fuck the person. You know, those people, because, I mean, I mean, let's face it, like the, the hotter you are or the more the more affluent you are, you're probably got some asshole traits in you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're probably a dick. <laughs> There's a saying like, uh, he or she is right for right now, but is right. not Mr. Right. It's not Mr. right right now. Right. Right. That's all this is saying. It's it's that these apps and these algorithms are really good at predicting what people like to look at. What, what people find attractive. The apps are spot on. But once you get into the, the little more of the esoteric stuff about, is he going to get along with my mother? Or, you know, like things like that, right. like the daily living situation, the most, like the superest supercomputer can't make heads or tails of what makes a relationship work. I should not have resumed my painting. No. Despite your suggestion that I continue, Exactly. I have much to learn. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it was it was hilarious to see like in this data set they they literally called you know traits like you know, height and occupation and physical attractiveness and previous marital status and even similarity to oneself. They called this you know part of a group of irrelevant traits called the irrelevant eight, <laughs> right? And it turns out that. For these things that people self-select for, you know, there's no there like there's no likeliness that you actually end up meeting you know the person that you will successfully go out with, right? So maybe you know people would have more success if they tried to maybe if they ignored these things, right? Maybe they started selecting for you know, other things that they had in common, you know, aside from that, right? Maybe it's time for people to go out you know, and try those short kings, right? Or maybe you know try that guy that you know, you know just works in the restaurant or something like that, right? Or maybe a person, who... or the guy who's actually nice, right? To you. Or that. But it is very funny to see all of this stuff laid out numerically. Yep. Love. I don't. I mean, you you know, you guys know me for a long. I don't really know what that is. I <laughs> I think a, a lot of times it's it's just you know you you find someone. Um, it's comfortable. It turns into an old shoe, and all love is 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 settling and quitting because you're settling to be an old shoe, and you're not going to be able to compete with the newest Air Jordans. So you know you just find a foot that has like you know messed up your insides just enough, and <laughs> that foot and that shoe go together quite well. And you know your foot is all beat up with like hangnails and and bunions it's too beat up to go into a new shoe because the new shoe is gonna hurt and then eventually you're just like okay fuck it when it's my time to die i want to be at least wearing some shoes oh eventually the the goal here is find someone who won't kill you in your sleep and who will help you wipe your ass when you are unable to because that's the end of the road for all of us right 
and, and someone that you don't mind wiping the ass of too. Right? Two-way street. And, and that is what a relationship is, and that is what love is. No, I think you hit it right on the yep. nail, man. I, I think that's it. I think that's it, because like, tall people shrink over time. Nice faces and, and shit like that get wrinkles. Uh, things start sagging, mm-hmm. right? People get fat. Um, this is life. And what keeps you together is that old shoe. It's like, you know, you're a beat up piece of shit, but you're comfortable. You know, and that, <laughs> that other person appreciates that beat up piece of shit. You know, the way, the way right. that it fits. You know? Yep. That's it. Right. Because, squarely, because it fits. And, you know, you know the AI isn't going to be able to figure that out yet. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's an element of just people are kind of selfish and and are un, un, are a little intransigent in terms of of really being sensitive to the other person's needs rather than what their superficial wants are? I, I think that's really what's at the oh, yeah. core of why a lot of this. Oh yeah, I agree with totally. that one hundred percent. I'm telling you, it's a it's a race to the bottom. Why you know, if you can be one hundred percent selfish, you know, based like why wouldn't you? Right. 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 Why yeah. wouldn't you be? But that only goes, I mean, that's ultimately self-defeating because you're not going to have a good time in Mm -hmm. the end. I mean, I'm incredibly selfish. So, yes, (laughs) (laughs) it is a balance. Um, And the sooner you realize that, though, then the sooner you can actually be, the better off you'll be. What what is it? What what is that song? Um, Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield or whatever. Wow. But it it really is giving and taking, seating and and gaining ground. That's that's what lo- love is trench warfare. I, I feel like that's not how the song went, but I'll I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll allow it. Well, I feel like also like a lot of things in life, like you you kind of get you get out of experiences what you put into them. You know, and if you're gonna be a selfish prick, or you're gonna be superficial, or you're gonna be like, you know, obsessively neurotic about other you know people's idiosyncrasies, then nothing's gonna make you happy. Because everybody's quirky, everybody's crazy, everybody has faults. There is no such thing as a perfect, yep. you know, person, mate, perfect woman. I mean, like, it was funny. I was listening, and I don't really love Bill Maher's stand-up, but I mean, I, he did have a funny skit where he was like, "There's no such thing as the perfect, like, perfect medium between what men and women want. Like, you're not gonna have some charming prince on a horse." waving to you across a grassy field and then you run up and embrace each other and then he comes on your face. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why there's, there's, uh, there's so many you know, movies or TV shows or stand-up comics about this subject. Is like no one knows what the hell makes things work. I, see, I, di- I disagree with that. I think the willingness to actually, like, you, you again, it's effort. You got to, the willingness to try to make something work. And I think that so much, so often in, in relationships nowadays where people like people are so quick to like fall in love because of the, the superficialities, the attraction, the, the, you know, the big tits or the nice job or whatever the fuck it is. And then once you hit that first speed bump where you guys kind of butt heads is like, Oh, well this isn't right for me. Fuck it. You know, instead of actually trying to like, Oh, well, where is this person coming from? And how do I, how do I approach this from a place of love and understanding rather than like, oh, no, I, I don't want that kind of thing in my life. At what point is, would you say is a good, like, okay, I've had enough before, like, it's time to move on? Because I think a lot of people also stay in, in, in these toxic things for way too long, you know, trying to change the other person they're with. 
you know um and that's when you have like this one-sided thing where maybe you care more about the person than the other than the person cares about you Sure. I mean, I I think it's I think it's there's like a there's an ebb and a flow and a tide to these things. It's a push and pull. And like like I said, what you got to what you put in, which is what ideally is what you should get out. So so if you're making the effort and you're putting your best foot forward and the other person isn't, then I think that's a sign that there's something wrong. Like there there's there's a difference between going the extra mile to try to be understanding and caring and then just, you know, being desperate. And sticking in a situation that you know isn't right for you. That I feel like part of that also is you know people you know like doubling down on that self selection right like it's hard it's hard to admit when you know something that you think that you want you know, is not working the way that uh, it you believe it should so you might you know, push your chips in even harder right you. There's what's the psychological? There's a psychological syndrome. It has a name. It was a, uh, a gambler's fallacy. Yeah, something. Yeah, okay, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, if if you're if you're that person that was on one of these apps or something like that, right, and you swiped right on you this person, and you know you like you you believe desperately it's supposed to work out, and you can't like you can't take that L because otherwise you know you're gonna you get kicked out of that that apartment or. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to move right. out that house, or you know, or you got to start yeah, over like again. You mi- yeah. mm-hmm. so right. You might right. like you might just throw bad debt after it again, right? You know, and keep keep struggling. It's better to, it's better to struggle, I guess, valiantly than to rip off the bandaid, right? So that's part of it. But I don't know, man. I got no I got no fight in me. <laughs> I got I got no, I got nothing in the tank. Nice. Yeah, man. I mean, shit is real out there and love is in short supply. And I feel like that brings us to another topic um, that you guys had also linked. I feel like it's something we we have to talk about. Well, maybe not have to, but I feel like we should because we might have some interesting takes was the 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 shooting that happened in Buffalo. Yes. Right. Yeah, that that was. With this guy who traveled from where was he from? How far did he travel? Came from Conklin, you know, in uh, upstate New York. That is a you know, trek. Or, I mean, uh, yeah, from miles southeast of Buffalo, New York. And, you know, he'd been apparently, you know, planning this this shooting, this massacre, you know, in, you know, a, a Discord channel, right? You know, and, you know, talk, you know. Oh, so it's documented. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, and, you know, he was, you know, talk, he was, he released a manifesto and stuff like that, you know, referencing, you know, uh, you know how you referencing various conspiracies and you know stuff like that. You know, you and referencing 4chan and all kinds of stuff like that. And then he showed up in you know Tops gro- uh, grocery store, you know in uh, Buffalo, right? Which was a in in a black neighborhood in Buffalo, right? And you know he just started shooting up you know, innocent people in the supermarket. Right. And so we were talking a little bit about this show and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, basically the motivation being that, you know, the the white race is dying out and he's got to do his, he's got to pitch in and do his part to to get rid of all those uh, those nasty colors. Yeah, right? So, you know, this was, you know, one of one of the driving forces you know, of of, you know, his incredible racism was the concept of this great replacement theory. Right. You know, uh, which posits that you know all of the, you know all of white people you know, are being you know, uh, extinguished, exterminated, you know, and they're being replaced by you know, 
uh, minorities, you know, by uh, racial minorities, by sexual minorities, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, he decided to armor up, you know, just like, you know, Anders Brevik and, you know, like other people who perform, you know, similar shootings, like, you know, in uh, New Zealand, and decided to blow away some people. The thing that's especially wild about this is that, you know, despite there being this 180-page manifesto, you know, detailing, you know, his racist views, his anti-Semitic views, right, because the great, the other thing about the Great Replacement is that it's apparently, uh, you know, part part and parcel of a plan, you know, by uh, George Soros and, you know, other similar you know, Jewish people on around the globe, right? Um, Fun fact, those people are white. <laughs> you know, but like... <laughs> just, just like at a specific time and place, uh, it was the wrong kind of white, right. just like the Irish and, right. and the Italian, you know, like at a certain point in time, right. those were the wrong kinds of right. white. You know, but yeah. the, the the other thing was that, you know, despite there being all this information about it being straight up, you know, absolutely inarguably racist, right? You know, he, you know, people in, you know, the, the I guess, more conservative leaning news media have decided to blame it on other things like, you know, video games, which is like the old canard, like back from like the, the yeah. 90s and the wow. early 2000s, you remember like... Tried and yeah, true escape. Jack, right. Jack Tretton. Between this and Roe v. Wade, we're we're bringing back all the yeah, hits. Yeah, you know, so you know, apparently it's it's Mortal Kombat and fucking you know, Call of Duty or whatever that's you know, causing people you know, that caused this guy to do it and not the racism and not 4chan and not the Great Replacement theory, right? Which he says so himself. And it, you know, it, it's certainly not um, duly elected actual senators espousing this shit. Oh my god! Right? You know, not not giving <laughs> giving it giving it actual like legitimacy from from an office of the government. Right? Like uh, yeah. Matt. Totally not that. Yeah, like Madison Cawthorn, who just got you know, voted off of the island. You know, shout out to him. You know, like hope you yeah, hope you got brakes on your wheelchair, chief. You know, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know, or like Elise Stefanik. You know, another you know, uh, another person, you know, from from this state, you know, actually, who is espousing that uh, great replacement theory. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a shit show. It's a shit show. It's so funny to me because it's this this whole thing that you mentioned, the great replacement theory, just to me, watching where we are in America um, and I guess maybe to some degree the world, but specifically in America, this really speaks to the the inability for certain people to to just grasp the scope of reality like in terms of the march of time and you know like the the march of technology and the way the world has become such a smaller place from let's just say the year 1900 to now it seems inevitable that people are going to intermingle you know, there are going to be more biracial people. There are going to be more people mixing. Like, it just seems to me that eventually what would happen would, you know, the human race would coalesce into something a little bit just more, bi like, omniracial. And that, that, to me, seems like evolution and progress, but they see it as extinction. And rather than recognize it as uh, the natural course of reality, they they create this alternate narrative where they're being extinguished, you know, they're being forced into extinction. And it just, again, like so many of the 
the crazy batshit things that are floating around the political spectrum nowadays, like the QAnon and the Pizzagate and the lizard people. It just seems like another one of those excuses to just deny reality and use hate as the, the, the coping mechanism. Yeah, a lot of these theories is basically essentially just racist um, assholes trying to give some kind of backstory to their hate, mm -hmm. right? Like just some kind of reasoning, whether it is however tenuous uh, that thread of logic really is. Right. I mean, it's it's like they're they're turning themselves into the victim. I'm being I'm being hunted. I'm being ex extinguished. I'm going. You know. You know, because this country, uh, I almost culturally has this thing, um, this hard on for. For self defense, it's, yeah. it's 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 a uh, you know I do, yeah it's, it's like I I can't wait for for someone to you know look at me weird or you know like step on my right. step on my property. I can't wait to travel to somebody else's neighborhood for someone to look at me weird so I can shoot them. <laughs> I mean, culturally, you know, as a as a country, we we have that we have that problem. We've always been into I wish you would. It's right. always like that. And I mean it's always just it's easier to act on grievances than it is to cope with them, right? So, you know, you're you're sitting here, you know, maybe you're, you know, a guy that can't find a woman or something like that or can't find a man if you were looking for, you know, a person to date or maybe you couldn't get that job or, you know, any number of other things that that are going on that you can't you know, cope with it's easier you know to and almost more i guess enriching or i guess uh energizing to coalesce around you fuck that you know it's it's that thing's fault it's these guys fault it's this group's fault or it's this thing's fault than you know anything that you might have control of you know and sometimes you know sometimes you know you you can't control the things that are going wrong right yep. you know sometimes you just can't control that sometimes it's just like that but why accept that when you can just pick up a gun and go blow away people in the grocery store, right? It's their fault. And to me, it's it's almost it's almost less it's like I'm like where I'm I'm blaming them for for my situation, even though that may be in the manifesto, but what I really get from it is like I can't stand to see those people flourish and thrive or even happily exist. Maybe they're not even thriving, but they're they're existing in a happier place you know, or a, or a more productive or a more, uh, for lack of a better term, like, I guess, content existence than I am, I'm going to take those fuckers out. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, Peter. And, you know, that's, and that's why racism is hate. It's hate. I can't see a black be happier no. than me. So that's I, not So America. I got to blow him away. I got to blow him away. I got to blow him right. away. Can't let that, right. I can't let that Chinese person, you know, that, you know, that uh, gay person, you know, that, you know, I can't let these people be happy. That's really more to me what I see when I see shit like this. Yep. A lot of this to me is kind of like the, um, like a chicken and the egg problem or something. You remember that saying, uh, if you can convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. And um, if you give him somebody to look down on, he'll empty his pockets for you. That's right. Yep. Is that Lyndon, jo L Lyndon B. Johnson? And, and he's right. <laughs> because, but, but what do you do when you are at the bottom and there is no one else to look down on? You know, like you are in your own but situation. That's the funny thing. That guy's not on the bottom. At least, at least not in terms of like society. To him, that guy. You no, know, he's because he's, he's been fed this victim complex where he is, 
and you know he's got no one to look down on he's got no one to feel better than right now you're looking at these people who are supposed to be worse than me right because but they're not and that's what gives the hate now it's like that ds9 episode where the people where the guy with the sniper rifle kills the people who are happy in the pictures right it's uh i'm telling you like star trek deals with all of this shit but they do it right with vulcans instead of whites yeah you know a lot of this kind of comes down to what it means to be an american at least i know i'm free (laughs) like i'm not going to speak for you guys but for myself when i think of an american my i default to a um a white person i you know it's funny you say american and i picture a fat sloppy white person (laughs) and that's weird right because you're an american i'm an american john's an american I mean, in theory, American is supposed to be that that melting pot of diversity. Right. I mean, you're, that's what you're supposed to think. But, but it's, it's not. not what you actually think. We are what we are, and we still think white person. And I think that feeds into that. No, it's funny. Cause I, I don't think that because you that's immigrant story is what I see. Right. Because that's what I lived. Interesting. Well, John's a true American. Yeah. yeah. He's a he's a G.I. Joe. <laughs> I 100 percent believe that, even though like. No, you're right. As I've gotten older, right, I can see you know, uh, why that's more of like, I guess, perceived to be mythology than like not. It shouldn't be like that. It should be what I'm saying, what I'm thinking, right? It should be, you know, you know everyone. It should be that, that, again, that immigrant story because that's how the country was formed, literally, right? Some people that mm-hmm. were like, fuck this. I don't like what's going on here. I'm going to go to here and I'm going to develop. I'm going to make a life right. for myself here. And I'm even willing to live with an Italian or a Jew or an Irish to make that happen, you know, because it's better than what, you know, the king is doing uh, over there. You know, so it, it's 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 infinitely disappointing that you know, <laughs> it's not what I see it to be because it should be what I see it to be. You're more right than you realize, because I think the real truth of America is what you see like what you just described, I, I truly believe that is the real truth of America. But our our reputation, the the media, the 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 the, the social constructs, the the shit we're fed, that's what really gets us to to think the way that Mike and I are 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 thinking, or what we see out of it. I mean, because we you know we see the worst in things. But I <laughs> I think you're right. I think that is the real story. I want to believe that too. I want I want to believe that. Um, the way John views it is the right way to do it. But what you just said about what we're fed about this American exceptionalism, yeah, this fucking bullshit and all this stuff. I think that's the media yeah. that's fed. And what I'm seeing is what it is on the ground, what it is at its heart is that a lot of people still believe you know, America is a white country. And speaking as a perpetual foreigner, <laughs> all right, like the, like one of, one of the very few uh, like classes uh, of people who laws literally written to exclude that looks yep. similar enough to uh, the Japanese who were interned in camps because we all look the same, which is still good law, by the way. It hasn't been overruled, Korematsu. Wow. Yeah, like I was surprised by that too. Um, there hasn't been an opportunity to overrule it, so it is still precedent, I suppose. What I always found really interesting was that. For a country that prides itself on being so accepting and open uh, of others, the way the color of your skin and the way your facial features are shaped 
determine so much about how you are viewed by other people and accepted by other people. Because, I mean, even here we talk about how China is becoming more of a world power and perhaps ch uh, challenging American authority overseas and how the actions of China can impact American lives as opposed to just, you know, how Americans act impacting the rest of the world. And I get the questions of like, oh, well, how do you feel about that? You know, are you happy about that? Are you happy to see China kind of uh, position itself as a stronger country? And, you know, like I would maybe have something to gain from it. Quote unquote, normal Americans wouldn't. You know, and my response always is like, I'm good, bro. I learned what happened to the Japanese. Um, I was here during COVID. Like, I'm good. So when you walk around this country, um, at least from my perspective, uh, there are a lot of places you go where you are very cognizant of the fact that one of these things does not look like the other. And it's changing, right? Because everyone's going to start looking a lot like Peter. But I think that is what's going to happen. It's what's happening across the entire world, mm -hmm. really. Yes. Right. If you're part of that whole, like, America is white and white is right, it's very natural to assume that, you know, these types of things are going to happen. All I know is that if I'm in a crowded location and I see a white guy by himself, it's kind of like that Men in Black thing where Will Smith shoots the little kid <laughs> because one of these things is out of place. Amazing. I'm looking at that white guy. <laughs> I'm looking right at him, like both eyes. Like I got my third eye on that guy. Like everything's on that guy. You stare, you stare too long. That AR fifteen might come out, though. You better be careful. Like the, the the scariest white people are the white people who are by themselves and the ones who are in suits. Because one's going to kill you, the other one's going to fuck you. <laughs> it's, it's it's so interesting to me because I I guess this is kind of where. Some of this stuff is bred from. It's like we find we live in an era now where, you know, you can openly criticize the the harsh reality of the fact that white people are advantaged in this society. But by doing so, now white people are, you know, they are now the, the being, I, I guess, what targeted or now they're they're being made. A, they feel they threatened feel more agreed. And, and like I guess. Rightfully so. I mean, yeah. you know, they do feel threatened, but I mean, why would you? I mean, of course you're going to feel threatened. I mean, if I was standing on the, you know, your throat for 150 years and I finally dusted you off and stood you up, yeah, I'm pretty sure you'd want to kick my ass. Like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I always make these sports metaphors, right? You know, I get it, right? Like, I'm a Yankees fan and I get mad when people hate on the Yankees. You know, but I realize that it's kind of silly to be mad you know, that people hating on the Yankees because they're the fucking Yankees, right? Like they, they win all the goddamn time, right? So like, you know, on, at a macro level, it doesn't make sense for me to be aggrieved when there's, you know, teams that never won shit ever, right? You know, but, you know, I still get, I still get salty, right? So may, maybe, maybe it's like right. that. Because that's right. your team. Maybe it's like. That's your team. You know, may, maybe it's a little like that. I don't know. Sports is life and life is sports. When you're in a superior position and, and other things are starting to equalize. Right, now you feel threatened. Equality is threatening. Mm -hmm. That's the funny thing about 
what's going on with white people is like, oh, other people might even be getting somewhat close to like the, the status and stature and financial, you know, independence that I have. Well, that threatens me because now I'm not better than anything. I'm just normal. And that's not the same as being better. <laughs> you know what I mean? There are tons of white people who who are stuck in shit situations yes. who aren't, you know, who aren't seeing like, where is, where is this golden road? Of, of whiteness right. like of like, course, like course. how come i'm not on it and 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 they're made to feel a certain way right you know and that that by itself is you know that's a that's a societal problem right you know the funny thing is you know that problem is less about you know, uh i guess the socioeconomic or social racial hierarchy in america or the world and more about how you know the bullshit of america right and you know, like we were talking about, right? You know, maybe you should ask you know, your local government or the federal or whatever, right? You know, or your the people that you live with in your area. You know, like how come you know we're not doing more to elevate ourselves, you know, collectively? You know, but that that's a that's a whole other topic, I think. So, well, I don't want to harp too hard on white people, but when you say like, oh, well, where is their magic golden road? You know, yeah, maybe they don't have it as good as the, the Wall Street guy. But like, I guarantee you that guy can go out drinking and, and, and you know, speed his, and drive, drive on his way home and be speeding. And he's not going to get a ticket or arrested the same way I would. So that road still exists <laughs> for him in some capacity, whether he even realizes it's there or not. Well, it, it it it's hard to it's hard it's hard to recognize benefits that you're not aware of. Yeah, no, I get it, but it doesn't mean it's not there for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for on this season of Red Channel Condition. But we really want to thank what what the fuck is that? Brave souls, welcome. What the fuck is is that God? It is I. The journey you undertook to reach me could not have been an easy one. It was not. We've been out here for a long while now. We just reached our 50th episode. Magnificent. You are the first to find me. We sought out only the most obscure topics and it's taken us pretty much all over. And how did you breach this 50th episode? With a podcast. This podcast, could it carry my wisdom beyond this place? It could, yes, I suppose. Then I shall make use of this podcast. Uh, excuse me, I'd just like to ask a question. What does God need with the podcast? Mike, what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm just asking a question. Who is this miserable creature? Who am I? Don't you know? Aren't you God? You doubt me? I seek proof. Then here is the proof you seek. Why is God angry? Jesus Christ! He just killed Mike! John, get us out of here, full speed!